I used to go to Babylon a lot. Like I know how the colors there, how the earth, feeling of the wall, what that color gives if it was painted this wall and the shadow that reflect different tone. So I'm creating all those like in my mind. Welcome everybody to episode 30 of the Assyrian podcast. Mama, we made it! Just gotta say, the Assyrian convention in Phoenix, Arizona last weekend was awesome in so many ways. And one of those ways was the art gallery put on by the Assyrian Arts Institute and invited the works of artists like Paul Batu to be displayed. Paul was there and I had a chance to sit down with him in the gallery and learn more about his journey leading into the arts, his life in Iraq and his migration story, and what serves as inspiration for his beautiful artwork. I know I am still patiently waiting for the perfect piece to purchase of his for our home in due time. If this is the first episode you're listening to on the Assyrian podcast, and welcome. I hope you'll subscribe and listen to future episodes. Thank you for those of you who helped spread the word at convention. Special shout out to Rob O'Shana, who has a podcast sticker on the back of his phone. So every time he's on his phone and people are around, they'll know about the podcast. And we want to encourage all of you to keep sharing out. Show us some love by following us on our social media platforms. And aside from being streamed on the podcast app for Apple, or Android, we are also streaming all of our episodes on Spotify. So there are multiple ways for you to find us and listen to past episodes and catch up. And lastly, we would like to thank our sponsor, Tony Caligarakis and the injury lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know someone that has been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony. Tony's been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. That's amazing. Tony can be reached at injuryrights.com or 847-982-9516. Now, without further ado, Paul Betu. When was the first time that you were exposed to art? As far as I remember, like since early stage of, I will say, elementary school, I was playing with the clay doing certain part, then start drawing. Encourage me when my first drawing on Mickey Mouse back in Catholic school in Baghdad was displayed on a school wall like that. Give me encourage then. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So is that something that were, all of the students were doing? There, there were activity, but when you do unique picture like with your age, then the school will recognized he has talent yeah like what absolutely say. Yeah. you were born and raised in Baghdad is that correct I was born in uh, northern Iraq in northern Iraq yeah. and you finished university there in Baghdad in Baghdad yeah in Baghdad yeah and my what? our village was burned 1961 so eventually we moved until we reached Baghdad and there I started elementary school until graduated from University of Baghdad and you said burned could you yeah, explain Kurdish, what had happened? Yeah, the Kurdish burned the village actually, to seize the land. And what was the name of the village? Tin. Tin. Yeah. And they burned the entire village the down? The entire village, yeah. And how many people were living there at that time? It's hard to say, maybe around 400. 400 people? Yeah. I could imagine that had an effect on you growing up? I was two years but to hear the story from the elderly, my aunt, 
my brother gets sick during the runaway from that place. It affects us like from a home in a village, then coming to Baghdad, renting a room for seven members of the family. It was hard. Maybe a kids you pass so many small details, but after you grown up, no, you understand how it was difficult. I can imagine the, the trauma that probably would have taken you from your family from there to, yeah. to Baghdad. Yeah, to Baghdad. So you were raised more or less in, in Baghdad in growing Baghdad, up. Yeah. And you had gone to school. You finished your schooling in pharmacy. In pharmacy. Pharm- and how long did you live in Baghdad? And were you practicing pharmacy shortly after? Yeah, I was practicing pharmacy. We lived in Baghdad for 33 years. From pharmacy school, when I graduated, then I was drafted to army for five years. I had a chance to go to Italy in 81, 80, so maybe I can join arts academy. But the war erupted, and my dad, he called me. And Why which war to... was this, just for clarity? It was the Iran-Iraq war? Iran-Iraq war, yeah. Why you don't come back? I told him, okay, I will come back, because I don't like to leave my parents during the war, maybe the war will be one month, two months, then I can always go back. But the war lasted for eight years. So managed to finish pharmacy school, complete my pharmacy school, then one year in the hospital, then five years in, in the army. Just to clarify, were you working in the army? No, no, I was drafted to the army, but I'm a pharmacist, so I was like medic in the place in northern Iraq. And at what point during that experience through your university did you begin to really entertain an interest in in the arts? No, art in Baghdad, Academy of Art, they don't accept you unless you are in Al-Ba'ath party, like Saddam Hussein, government ruling party. I refuse to join. My degree will allow me to go to like certain universities in Baghdad, but I choose the pharmacy school in Baghdad. Mm. It's not my choice, like I didn't want to be a pharmacist, but this is your degree will allow you either to go to medical school in Basra, dental school in Mosul, Nineveh, or pharmacy school in Baghdad. So I choose Baghdad to be by my family. The good thing about the pharmacy school, we have art studio, we have professional artists, and there is, you can go and enroll in that gallery and learn art as a hobby wire. So I enrolled and started painting for four years under the direction of like good artists, good Iraqi artists. So I know that in the States here, uh, when we're pursuing a degree, we also have to do classes that are considered electives and those electives can be in any other fields. Is that something that would in have been Baghdad, similar? In Baghdad, there is no such thing. Like, but they have like some schools, like School of Literature, they have music classes. If the students want to enroll, like, like pharmacy school, they have art classes. So I was taking also some music classes nearby. And when you started painting and you were taking those classes, was there a particular kind of art that you were more drawn to? It was learning, it's like a school, like you take a subject on paint, basic, like uh, mostly portraits, life in Baghdad, building in Baghdad, the old building they call it Shanashil. But second year, third year of pharmacy school, I met an Iraqi historian, his name is Taha Bakr. He told me, you wrote it's, it's deep in Iraq, so I will give you my book, uh, Epic of Gilgamesh. 
Wow. He translated it. So I took it from him and read it. And I told my teacher, Art, I need to produce this piece. It was very long, like three meters by one and a half meter, very big. And we decided to putting it. I painted this art piece on sands. We sprayed sands over the board of wood. So it will be, it will look like it's very old piece. Mm -hmm. And it took me six months to finish that piece. And they display it in, in the college. As a permanent piece? Like yeah, as a permanent, permanent piece, yeah. Then it won the first prize with art competition in Baghdad. I also draw like, I was listening to classical music. I draw the Coriolanus piece of Beethoven. That was collected by Iraqi Museum that time. So I'll become famous artist in the pharmacy school. Was that something that was common? Yeah, it was helped me a lot, like with dealing with security, bathes. What was life like living under that regime during that time? You see, Saddam regime is as bad as dictatorship, no freedom, like you have to walk very fine line. Like they came one time, they asked me to draw something about the government. Mostly, most of artists, they do like sketch of Saddam and paint Saddam. I thought, no, I will do Al-Qadisiyya war. That was 300 years between Arabs and, and Persian when Arabs invaded Baghdad and took over Iraq from Persia. It was very big piece. Also, it was displayed in the university, but it was like maybe 300 horses. It's fights, like old fight. It was so big, and that was displayed. And they like it, so that took them off from my mind. I don't like to paint anything praising Saddam. And so you decided to pursue pharmacy school? Pharmacy. You decided to pursue both avenues, right? You became a pharmacist, but then were, also became Yeah, I was an doing artist. small art pieces, like for friend in the hospital, or friend he asked me, or do some art show, like group show, like join one piece, two piece in Iraqi galleries yeah were the arts encouraged in iraq yeah yeah they were and we have so many artists like that yeah and when did you begin to find your i don't know if the right word is personality in your art artwork that you do what would you label it as it becomes stages really for my art like from baghdad we used to paint like modern art some like impressionist art the only thing I did about our culture is like Epic of Gilgamesh. I did I did some painting of Inanna or Hammurabi, I did one. Then after that I moved eighty nine with my family to Greece. Greece also start I start painting horses maybe, some landscaping. What led you to leave? So many reasons. One reason I was disappointed uh, spent so many years in war tragedy of war, like pain, suffering. And when I was in the north working in the hospital, I felt this is, can't go right. The situation, all environment, this is, will not lead to something brighter future. Like after eight years, people will hope like we will start rebuilding again and will be good life. No, there was no such vision. You feel like something bad will happen. So I told my family as soon as they allow us to leave, we will leave. So we left. And after four months in Greece, we found out like Saddam, he invaded Kuwait. And there was brutal sanction. 
that year. Same thing like happened when I went to 2014, I went to my village again to visit my mom and my brother. To but see. the village that had burned down, 10? Yeah, but we rebuilt it. I see. It was rebuilt again okay. and again. 2014, on I went to Erbil, Nahodra. I couldn't go down to Baghdad. They told me not to go because mm -hmm. it's not safe there. I told all the people there, be prepared. This is not healthy environment, corruption, careless. You go to the government building to do something. It's all people lazy. They don't work, happy. They do nothing. These environment, you should understand, they will not go well. Like something bad will happen. The government is corrupted. The people are careless. The, no thinking of building future education. They were collapsed. And then after I left Iraq in like eight months, ISIS controlled most of them. And it's like ISIS is bad ideology, but this is reflect majority of people who harbor ISIS like Muslims. These are like, they are saying we have enough, like we need new life. And can Arab Spring like let us experience like the religion as a model of society and they felt and also they felt so it's a, a protest from people when you had seen what had happened with isis and the them destroying much of our history that was there artifacts what went on in your mind it's really nothing surprising because people who have no goal or no aim and having radical points like they destroy everything beauty Till now, I can't put a phrase why they destroy these artifacts. It's, it's, it's pieces of rock, if we say, like, for example, like those ordinary people in Iraq, these pieces of rock, like, they don't care about. I have, many times I said, because these are, they don't belong to them, like, these are not theirs, so why care? It's not their history. It's not like he will. You're saying so. Feel, why should they care? Yeah. Like why they they should they care? No right? It's not like it's you not when when you see right. when they blow Nimrud city, you cry. It's it's very hard. But for them, they have no attachment to it. No. How did it make you feel? Yeah, it's very, it was very hard. Sometimes I think it's, it's organized things to wipe out all the history of indigenous people of Iraq. Until now, like there are so many questions, none answered. As like if they are, they are against Assyrian, or I don't know. But all I think it's not their history or not their land, so they don't care. And something that can never be—I mean, it can be recreated, but that those were the originals and can never be brought back again. No. Um, I see, and I've seen this most recently when many participants went to Iraq earlier this year for the Gishru trip, that they were visiting sites in which there's many of our artifacts that are kind of just left in, in rubbles or are left yeah. in pieces, mm -hmm. kind of all over the place yeah. without any protection. No, you don't expect from corrupted government 
to pay attention to these artifacts now. They are in total mess. They, in Iraq now, Baghdad, there is no electricity, clean water. Environment is, environment is disaster, like pollution, people life. It's all messed up. So these are the least thing they will think to. So you left in 89 to go to Greece? Mm-hmm. And, and then from Greece, you came to the United yes, States? How was the transition for you here when you came to the U.S.? It was hard at the beginning, but I managed to reinstate my degree as a pharmacist two years and a half then. Have a job and reinstate it. You mean like you had to work again to get you to prove yeah. that your degree yeah, yeah. was in pharmacy, and you continued to create art while you yeah, were yeah. here. My first collector was Jewish. He sponsored me. He taught me the pharmacy. He took me to his pharmacy. Told me I will teach you the pharmacy, so you become a pharmacist. Then he discovered I'm artist too. Told me okay, draw me things and and related to Babylon, or I will buy it from you. Wow. I think he was helping me also financially that time. That's wonderful. So I will do a piece. I Would give it to him for a hundred dollars. He told me I pay seven hundred for framing it. Would you consider him a mentor then? Ira Freeman, yeah. yeah, yeah. The work that you do is very unique, and I've heard this from many people. I'm sure you have as well. You're creating art that isn't recreating things that are in the past. You know, we have many beautiful. Mm-hmm pieces we have lamassus we yeah. have all of these but you what you are doing is creating original art what inspires you with your paintings i have few colors like i don't buy a whole set of colors 20 or i have bought five and mix them and what and, are those colors mm, like ochre blue red green i used to go to babylon a lot like I know how the colors there, how the earth, peeling of the wall, like what, what that color give if it was painted this wall and the shadow that reflect different tone. So I'm creating all those like in my mind. Try to put things happy, like I like bright colors, happy painting. Rewrite our culture again in, in colors and arts. And what do you mean by that? Like rewrite? I have so many ideas, like maybe one day I will do all the villages, landscaping, our lifestyle in the village and in the city. Musician-like, I paint musician, I paint dancer, but the background most of the time was the old Mesopotamia theme. And is there a, a meaning behind that? Because I also noticed that in your in your paintings. Is it to contrast like it's an old and new? Yeah. It's connection also, like how we are continuing or if you play harp before we are playing music now, if you dance before we are dancing now. What has been one of the most impactful pieces that you have painted? Journey with Ishtar. Journey with Ishtar, like it's the same Ishtar artifact or same Ishtar face on it. I put it like she was crucified, and behind her, it's a bell woman, like woman wearing bell. This is how Iraq transformed from the beauty, power, to belt, scary, oppressed, non-free. And that also was a cover of my book, My Last Thought About Iraq. When you look at Iraq now, what are the thoughts that, that come to your mind? Do you still consider it a place that's home? Your root is there. You can't deny that. Like, It's a home, yeah. 
and I'm sure will someday will come back for sure. I have my hope is for that as well. One friend, an Iraqi artist, we chatting over the messenger. He told me like, "Sorry, your guys left, and you were a shining spot in in our life because of you have freedom and." But none of you now left in Baghdad, like very few, hardly to see a Christian or a Syrian or Chaldean or whatever they call themselves. Yeah. I to believe me, one day you will, you will convert it to a Syrian or Sumerian or Babylonian or Assyrian. The people who left there, they will convert and they will realize that's their rules and they have to take back. I'm already seeing that actually now. There's yeah. many people who yeah. are trying to sway yeah. away from yeah. an Arab identity and going back to yeah. an yeah. even more ancient. Even I told you, there is no Christianity. Your guys will become Christian again. You will convert one day to become Christian. Not you, your son. Told me that's possible. In your opinion, what is the connection that Assyrians have with the arts, and are we living to our potential with creating art, with encouraging art? within our communities? Uh, recent year, yeah, it's good. I speak for myself. I don't know. Many say we don't care about artists, we don't care about art, but so many people show me so much love for me and for my art. That's enough. Sometimes when I exhibit in LA, I feel happy so many students from art schools in USC or another academy school, and they come to see like, professional artists, talk to them. It's not like you collect the art, no, it's not that important, but to show love and to show interest in knowing the art. Our people missing that. We miss when parents, they encourage their kids to be a doctor or engineer, or but they don't have art piece or music instrument in the home. Music and art will affect your son academically. I saw it with my son. I couldn't force my son to be an artist or to learn art or to learn music from me, but he become a doctor. And he told me, like, the classic music you forced me to listen, the art you took me to see, which I hated that time, boring, I don't know anything. <laughs> All these effects, when I'm in Berkeley, I realize how important they are. I can't go to the exam without listening to 20 minutes before the exam to Beethoven. I can relate to that. My mom did the same thing with me. Yeah. <laughs> She'd force you me to take... Sleep on the... <laughs> Sleep on my <laughs> Dad, it's boring. Okay, it's boring, but you come with it. Yeah. Okay. Later on in life, I Later I've on in life, he realized like it's really, it affects his thinking and his study also. So you have a son. Do you have any other? Only one son. Only one son. Who's going to UC Berkeley? He, he's a doctor he's now. He's a he doctor finished, now. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, he's after his mom. Mostly science. <laughs> but he collect art. He collect music. He does. Yeah. Does he play any instruments? He plays a little bit guitar, yeah. And you play as I well, play, right? Yeah. Aside from your career and aside from, well, your career as a pharmacist and your career as an mm -hmm. artist as well, what do you enjoy to do for fun? I am a vice president of TAP. What's that? The artist platform in LA. It's non-profit. We put artists, dancer, musician on a platform to perform. Like last year, we have a very nice concert in Japanese Cultural Center. The year previous was in Hollywood. And we, the second part of the concert was, it's all about Namrud. I have, and we have like, we have a Syrian youth, he play piano for Asher Bet song. And we have a Korean 
pianist. She played Asher Ben Sarkis song. Wow. And all the second part was dedicated to destruction of Nimrod. And I'm sure you had a say in that, in introducing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm vice president. I control what. Could imagine many people that had attended were non Assyrians. There was. What, there what was. Did they have to say? What were their thoughts? Uh, they asked questions, and it was sad when we showed destruction behind the stage, like. For many, was it the first time that they had even heard yeah, about heard that? Yeah, heard about it, yeah. So I think that's actually really important, is that you're taking a part of your heritage and taking it with a talent that you have. Yeah, it's important you have. Like, and exposing when, it to other people. Yeah, artists, you have to have a story. That's important. Next month, I will have art presentation in Jewish Center. They invited me to speak how I survived the Iraq and coming here and become successful as pharmacists and artists. Those people, they need to hear from you, and they bring their kids to hear it from you, so they will understand that you can become something. Yeah. You start from minus zero, below zero, like when I come here, $300 in my pocket only. Now, thanks God, I have a home, a job, and everything. They call it the American dream. Yeah. Really, you were able to get through mm -hmm. it. And then not just that, but to, to know that your offspring then have also been able to flourish, go to a really good university yeah. and yeah. create a, a great life for themselves yeah. as well. I think that's the hope for many Assyrians. I have friends like artists from everywhere, all background. I have musicians from Korea, I have musicians from Spain, I have musicians from Europe. All We meet, we do concert. I did most of my art show in, with non-Assyrians. In LA. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so they get to learn about yeah. us as well. Yeah, yeah. We have listeners from all over the world. What is one piece of advice that you would offer? Hope. Really hope and always smile. Always be positive. I know life is very hard. But if you smile, you will attract all the beautiful things in nature to your life.